Everyone is capable. No one's willing. I hate when people tell you, find something you're passionate about. Baloney. <laughs> you can get passion when you become a millionaire, okay? Right. Find something you're really good at. It's the least amount of effort. You paid for it. That's your gift. Push, don't pry. God doesn't swing doors open. He unlocks them. You still have to have the faith to, un to, to turn the knob to go out. If your life is not something others want to attain, then you're not doing something right. A tide rises all boats, so become the tide. In your 20s, success means you, you, you land an account, you started the business. Sure. In your 30s, uh, success means you're moving up the corporate ladder, people respect you more, you got things. In your 40s, you're, you're now getting established. Success is title. When you're in your 50s, you're in the back nine. Kind of like, okay, I've been there, I've done that. Real success, what I realized when I hit 50 was... Welcome to the TLT Movement Podcast, a podcast for tomorrow's leaders today. In this episode, we have a very special guest, Jerry Scalzo. Now, Jerry, he wears many hats between owning a hotel, a restaurant, real estate, a construction company called Scalzo Built. He is an accomplished serial entrepreneur. He does all this while having an inspiring family life. He has a happy and fruitful marriage with his lovely wife, Amber. He's the father of two children, their daughter, Jack Henson, and son, Nick, who is now happily married to Devin. And Jerry just recently became Papa Jay to the new granddaughter, Capri. He's been a big supporter of TLT since day one. A little fun fact, he is also the brother of our founder and president, Dr. Andrea Hazim of Elevate Life Educational Foundation, who makes the TLT movement possible. So welcome, Jerry. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. When, when I first met you, you actually were a guest speaking at the 2021 TLT conference where you spoke about entrepreneurialism. Yeah. And you were there with your wife, Amber, who taught about gratitude. And so I definitely am impressed and want to get into your business expertise. But I want to start the show off just talking about your marriage. So how does your marriage affect your business? Every building you build, you got to have a great foundation. If you build it on sand, it's going to wash away. So the, the application of your marriage before your business is the most important thing. Mm. You know, so, you know, you get married, you want to build this empire together, but you know, a partner is the most important thing. So when you're looking for a mate, you're looking for a wife, you're really looking for a partner. A marriage is a business. You know, each person has their role. Like any company has a role. There's a hierarchy in a, in a company. You have your CEO, you have your vice president, you have your, you know, uh, people that are in charge of your management divisions. So just like a business, a family is a partnership and a business in itself. So the most important thing I, I think before I even started my businesses, whatever I did is, is picking the right mate. Mm. You know, that's the most important thing. Uh, you have your relationship with Christ. That's the most important thing. But then you got to pick a great mate because they're going to be there through the thick and thin. You know, no one knows, you know, we'll talk more about other things, but honestly, the most important thing is picking the right mate. How long have you two been married for? 26 years. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. 
in a society where there's a 60% of a horse rate, being married for that long is quite admirable. So I asked how your marriage affects your business, but how does your business affect your marriage? Um, well, I hate to say the word balance because ask any real successful entrepreneur, none of them have balance. Right. It's impossible to have balance. You're either all in or you're all out on certain things. And uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, you go all in for those, those moments and then you dial back. And that's why I said it takes the right mate that understands the personality, understands the late nights, understands mi missing a function. But, you know, there's other times we make those functions. So it's an ebb and flow thing, you know. And again, it always comes back to picking the right mate. Mm. So we have a lot of young adults that watch this show. What, what do you wish you knew when you were their age, between like the age 15 through 25? Start young. What do you mean? Start young. Start Meaning business young? Don't or? waste time with the fun that you think. Because 16 to 25, it, you have the most energy. Mm. Literally the most energy to get anything done. And what the world's telling our kids is from 16 to 25, party. Right. Enjoy yourself. Drink, smoke, vape, sex, all that stuff. It's all trinkled in front of us. And uh, that's what the world tells them. But really, if you look at the scriptures, none of that's in there. It's all about putting the till to work and maximizing the, the skills from 16 to 25 will set you up for the rest of your life. So if I can go back, I'd be like, don't waste time. Start earlier. Invest earlier. Mm. And when I say invest, it's not just invest in, in a business. Invest in your relationships. Invest in, in finding the right woman or the right man. Invest in your relationship with Christ because that's really the foundation that's going to enable you to do all these other things. Absolutely. How, how, do, how do you define success? As, as the older I get, success changes. How, how has that evolved? Okay. okay, so in your 20s, success means you, you, you land an account, you started the business. Sure. In your 30s, uh, success means you're moving up the corporate ladder, people respect you more, you got things. In your 40s, you're, you're now getting established. Success is title. When you're in your 50s, you're in the back nine. You're kind of like, okay, I've been there, I've done that. Real success, what I realized when I hit 50 was when your kids want to hang out with you. When they're older and they're in their 20s and 30s, they want to come hang out with you. That's success. That's huge. I don't care how much money you put on it. As I know guys that have tons of money and the kids hate them. So for me, I'd trade all the money for that. And we had it in both. So yeah. the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, yeah, the thing is to be able to have your children want to come spend time with you, that's success in my eyes. Yeah, that's so huge. I, I very rarely hear that definition of success, but that is so true because you can't buy that. No, no. So, and it takes years. And that's the thing. So we talked about the balance and I said, we'll jump back in back and forth with balance. So this product doesn't happen where your kids, unless you had a form of balance, meaning priorities. I hate to say the word balance. It's really priorities. Mm. So if you put your priorities in order, things get done in a, an appropriate amount of time and you don't miss functions. You're able to navigate through things, but there's an understanding from the other partners that dad's got to do certain things, but he's always there for the other things. So sure. they understand the grit, the perseverance, the, um, I have three things I talk about, grit, perseverance, and conviction. Those are the three things that, really motivate an entrepreneur. You got to have grit. 
What is grit? Oh God. What is grit? It's a, being a savage. <laughs> I, 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 so, to put it in Gen yeah, Z terms. I tell kids, Gen <laughs> Z, having grit means you're a savage. And I tell you, today's kids, the way they're being raised, if your child is 30% a savage, he could take over the world. Mm. Because we got a bunch of barista boys and barista girls running around, really have no direction, none whatsoever, and they don't understand this world will eat you up and spit you out. Right, And if you have a half an ounce of grit, I raised my kids with grit, meaning they were athletes and it was like, hey, listen, I don't care if you got cut, spit, rub it off. Come on, let's go. Sure. There was never really a lot of empathy in my home for me. Amber was that balance. Yeah. But I had, ask my sister, I'm zero empathy. It's not a good trait, but it's part of the grit. Sure. You know, it's part of, you know, the military type atmosphere, the military type personality. But, um. You got to have that conviction and you got to have that perspective and that perseverance, but grit's the foundation. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think we live in a day and age where a lot of parents now, their parents were hard on them like that. And so they want to be soft on their kids and they're not receiving the grit. Now that your kids are f- completely grown, how has that paid off? How is that, that kind of harsh way of going about it investing in them that way? How has that paid off? Um, we're still in the journey. I mean, they're still young adults, sure. 20 and 23. Um, you know, as, as Nick's getting older, he's married now with a child and still, you know, being able to graduate now going for his master's, certain things, you know, going through three ACLs in, in four years and still persevering. It's that grit. Mm. The grit is the, is the desire to get knocked down and no one is keeping you down. That's what grit is, is the ability to get back up. And literally you might be scarred, but you don't focus on the scars. You're, you're focused here where most people that get so focused on the scars and the cuts that they become victims. Mm. The victim mentality is the barrier of grit. So understand that the victim mentality is the barrier to grit. So if you want to get, if you want to have grit, you need to have real healing. You need to have real understanding of the trauma and the hurt. And you need to ignore those and go forward. That's grit is to be able to have those um, blinders. Like the horses have blinders. Yeah. They can't see anything. You have to have blinders to have grit. I like that so yeah. much. I mean, I I was raised up in this culture where they're like, if you have an issue or you feel a certain way, you should open up. You should talk about mm-hmm. that. It's it's old school, but I think it is true the way to do it, especially as a yeah. man, yeah. to ignore it and push on. Like yeah. not, not keep going back and thinking about it and talking about it with a therapist. For me, it didn't work. Maybe with females it's different, but with men, I, I, I think you're right on. The greatest um, tool that someone has in their life is their testimony. It's the only tool you need. And I share that with people because when people look at your life, if your life is not something others want to attain or aspire to, then you're not doing something right. Reevaluate. So why I say that is this. So people go through trauma, people go through pain. Uh, but remember, though, people pray, God, you know, give me patience. Well, he doesn't just give you patience. He gives you something to be patient about. Right. God, give me love. Well, he doesn't make you loving. He gives you somebody that can't be loved to love. These God, tests, give me empathy. Yeah. <laughs> he gives, so these are the things. God never just hands you a gift. He says, no, 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 you're going to work for the gift. It's like that in everything. So too many people in this society just want something. That's and they pray so to God, huge. and they expecting God just to show up. 
doesn't work like that. He That's expects us, like I said in Andrew's uh, TLT a couple of years ago when I spoke, was push, don't pry. You know, God doesn't swing doors open. He unlocks them. You still have to have the faith to, un to, to turn the knob to go out. And most people, they're just waiting for this ah moment where God just flings a door open. It does not work that way. It takes a sense and a, and a moment of, of faith that he says, I'm going to unlock that door for you. And then you, you have to go through it with the faith. That makes sense? Yes. So and that's kind of where, I don't say the difference between, you know, successful, not successful. I don't think that determines success. But that determines your grit. That determines your perseverance. That determines your, your, your conviction. So, you know, I think it all kind of like intertwines with each other. So it's not people think, what's the, what's the one? There's no one thing. It's a multitude of things. Like when you go to the gym, and you work out. Do you work out one body part? No. no. Chest, legs, thighs, tries, yep. traps, shoulders. I mean, you go what? Monday's leg day, Tuesday's upper body, Wednesday's lower back. So why do we do that? Because there's different facets to make a balanced body. And it's different facets to having grit. You work on certain parts of your personality or whether it's, whether it's um, marketing, you do different things. Everything has to have um, different I don't know, categories to success. Sure. So there's not one thing. It's a multitude of things. We don't use the word grit, but that is something that we talk about in TLT. This is our symbol <laughs> right here of grit, the rhino, to push forward, to push through. I think that's so, Love so, it. so good. Love it. So The rhino. The rhino. Powerful. So the path to success that we've kind of gone over is rarely linear. And many entrepreneurs experience periods of self-doubt. How do you maintain your confidence and conviction through the challenging times? And what strategies do you employ to overcome the moments of doubt? You asked me earlier what I would tell my younger self. Part of it was start early. Mm -hmm. The other part is understanding that experience is experience. Even if it's a fa failure. Fa oh, failure was my best experience. <laughs> really? Oh, you know, I heard, I heard this amazing quote, and I love him. And he says this. He says, making the first million is really, really, really hard. Making the second is inevitable. Okay, so I like think about that. Once you've done it once, you've got the formula. You, you, you understand how to do something. So when people say, well, what if you look? Okay, I'll do it again. But that's been the pattern. It's like, it's not hard to do it again once you understand. But it's those people that go out of their comfort zone and do the hard things. We talk about doing hard. Hard is a new fun. Hard is right? a new fun. Hard is a new fun. Hard things create grit. Hard things create conviction. Because it's it's the discipline in the hard things that get you to point B. Everyone's stuck on point A because everyone is capable. No one's willing. Every single person that I know that I talk to that wants to have great things, they're all capable. But who's willing? Give me the willing person, they'll be successful. It's never crowded along that extra pile. No, no. I tell everybody, you, everyone is on that 80% plateau. Everyone gives 80%, and that's their... Mm. I tell me, if you just give an extra 15 to, to, to 20%, you would be a rock star. Yeah, you'll surprise. But you'll that surprise. 15 to 20% is so hard. That's where discipline has to kick in. That's where creating the culture of discipline. You know, James Cleary says in... Um, in uh, Atomic Habits, Stacking Habits. 
You know, stop trying to eat the elephant all in one bite. Right. Stack them, meaning find something and do it for three minutes a day. Just three minutes. Or don't try to read a whole chapter a day. Read a page. Right. And then create a habit and then stack on top of that habit. And for me, one of the greatest habits that I had to create in my own life about a year, well, it's about a year, year and a half ago, I started training because I wanted to, I loathed lifting because I was always an athlete. And I didn't like it anymore. It's like muscle memory. But once I turned 45, things started falling apart. And I was like, oh my gosh, things are falling apart. <laughs> so I decided to lift. So I just couldn't have discipline to do it. I would go to the UFIT. I'd walk in there and I'd get sidetracked. My brain would go in that mode of thinking about every job. You'd get a call, something, right? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Distractions. I had to hire a personal trainer to help me create habits. So I spent three, almost five months with him, four days a week. It wasn't cheap, but it was the best money I ever spent because it created such a habit that I don't go a day without it, at least like being a burning desire to get it in whether it's a 20 minute workout or a full one hour workout. It's one of those things that it's now part of my DNA now because it became a habit. Right. But it took somewhere in an appointment. It took me going to an appointment to create that habit. I had the same experience at, at the gym. It was always a little challenging and I would like give myself an excuse to take it to day off. I hired a trainer and bada boom, bada bing. Now I'm in the gym every single day. And I think it's the same way with life in business. I mean, that's why we do TLT. We're training tomorrow's a little later. You can't do it all on your own to rely on other people to kind of push you in that way is awesome. Maintaining your confidence through it. It's to embrace that failure, to embrace the challenges and gain confidence from it, not allow it to break you down, but Correct. go, okay, been there, done that. Mm -hmm. So speaking of the challenging times, you've undoubtedly faced a numerous challenges along this entrepreneurial journey. Can you share a specific failure or setback that had a profound impact on your growth as a leader? And how did you rebound from that? 2008. I mean, it's very evident. It was uh, the collapse of the housing market. Um, we were, uh, we were trying to be, I, 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 it was the second business. It was after the car dealerships. It was, we were now into land development and we started building homes. And I was in the process of actually getting my GC license. So actually, I'm sorry. I just got my GC license and uh, we had built our, our home. GC, general, general contractor's contract, license. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it started in 08 um, when the market dumped. Our project up in Lake Worth just took a, it was a disaster and uh, wound up having to sell out to my partners and basically get 10 cents on a dollar. And uh, at that time, leveraged everything. And it was one of those moments of like, okay, everything's gone. Like everything, including we're selling the house. Dang. Because I didn't really want to go into this thing in debt. I didn't want to walk away having to file bankruptcy or having to just throw the keys back. So at that time, I was, I had a, a great, I just said, got an account with, um, you know, if I take a couple steps earlier, let me just give you a month earlier. I'm at the, I'm at the booth in my, my nook in the house and I'm praying and I'm doing my devotion. And, um, it was about a, a couple months earlier that my partners were going to buy me out. And, um, I agreed to take that, that small amount and I was praying and, um, and they came to me and say, listen, um, you know, even though we bought you out, we're not going to be able to give it to you because the bank didn't refinance. So that little bit would have, was nothing now. So I had to just walk in faith saying, okay, Father, 
I'm going to forgive him. I'm not going to. And it wasn't something malicious. It was just circumstances. Sure. And I said, Lord, you'll always provide. And literally the next day, uh, I got a phone call from uh, one of my close friends with a pastor. And, and uh, one of his pupils had a, um, had a large retail account uh, that needed stores built, 30 stores. I got an account for 30 stores um, over a three-year period. That and next day. That next day. And I thought about that and how God provided because I needed almost $200,000 to close on my house. Literally, to, to give my house, to sell my house, I'd come up with that. And um, I literally was finishing, the, and it was like sort of Verizon, that was the, that was the company. So I, I finished two stores, and literally as I was finishing the stores and closing, as I'm getting the checks from Verizon, I'm writing them to the house. And it was like God provided every penny I needed to close. And at that moment, I knew, I was like, okay, you're never going to not provide. At that moment, it was, it was too clear how strategic he was that honoring him with, with not going to debt or just doing certain things. But the kicker to that was me not really sharing any of this with Amber. Wow. <laughs> and just going through this and journaling and journaling and, and, and even living on credit cards and tithing on credit cards. I was literally tithing on credit cards because <laughs> I just wanted to stay faithful at that moment. I was right. like, I'm going to push forward whatever it takes. And, and that's with the grit. That's that part of... Failure's not an option. And uh, so long story short, we, and don't forget, at that time, I just took on the hotel, which was a complete train wreck. We're in 08. It was, it, you couldn't make this stuff up. Oh so gosh. from there, the springboard right into uh, just the construction company just blew up. And um, we never looked back. And that was, so 2008 was a very important year for me because that was the year that we literally started over. And like I talked to you about the first time, if you do it, it was inevitable because you didn't forget how to do it. We just went back to the basics of, listen, just honor God. Give him thanks. Do the right thing. And he's just going to take care of you. And he did. So that's, that was the moment. So you deal with setbacks by getting on your knees, humbling yourself to be before God and just asking him to yeah, provide. He's the only one. He's in control. I got to say, personally, I feel one of my biggest faults is I, I have a pretty tight grip on money. I feel like I always don't have enough. I sometimes I'll not tithe to church. And I feel so bad, but I'm like, I just can't this month. In the next month, I feel like I feel it. And then when I trust in him and I go, okay, I am going to tithe this yeah. month. It's amazing. I've had so many months where I'm like, man, how am I going to pay the bills? And then I tithe out of the little that I, I have, and I get a check in the mail from a client that I filmed for last year for seven grand that goes far beyond what I hated. And I'm like, oh, thank you, God. Like, mm. like that's amazing. And so it's real. Yeah. Put your hand up like this. Okay. Now, if I put this pen in your hand, don't close. Hey, Danny, I need a pen. Say it. Say it. I need a pen. I need a pen. Not you. Say, I'm <laughs> saying I need a pen. What do you say back? Oh, I have a pen right here. Thank you. Okay. Now, close your fingers. Danny, can I have a pen? Yeah, sure. Okay. So understand something. If you give it to me. Okay. <laughs> and this is God. Yeah. You see the resistance? Yeah. So what I'm saying, let it go. Ah, okay. Oh, uh, yeah. That's nice. So doesn't, doesn't this take more effort than this? 100%. Okay. So... I always use an analogy because when he pours in the blessing, he says everything flows out to others. When, he, when, he, when you put your hand out, the blessings pour in, right? 
right. and they flow out like a, like, a, like a beautiful waterfall, right? But you still have the palm that gets the, that's, gets, that's what you get to keep, you know? Yeah. So that's my analogy. It's like, you cannot give God. I also notice when, I, when I'm gripped, I can't receive anything. No, if I'm closed, it, yeah. what does it do? Everyone it falls gets it. Out. Think yeah. about this. You get nothing now. Right. That was the other part of the, the analogy is, as he's pouring, all it's doing is flowing out and you get nothing now. Absolutely. What do you say about the three talents? Remember? One talent, two talent, three talents. The right. guy with the one buried it. This. Yep. And what did God do? He goes, hmm. I give it to the guy with three. You give it to the guy with 10. The guy with well, the, the most. Well, the guy with three multiplied. Right. So he gave it to that guy. Right, so right, 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 the right. guy that invested the most and was faithful, he took it from the guy that was this and gave it to him. That's so huge. that's one of the life lessons. I was like, you know what? You can't, you cannot outgive him because he gives you two in the first place. All he's asking for is a little bit in return. That's nothing. So. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I hated to hear right now. I'm at a pivotal point in my business where I, I'm realizing that there's stagnation is not an option. It's either I'm, I'm going up and I'm expanding or it's dissolving. And I'm in a state right now where I feel as though it's dissolving and I know, I know, I know with all my heart I need to expand, but it's pretty scary, I got to say. Um, and I know that starting a business, expanding a business requires a great deal of courage and tenacity. Uh, what, what were some of the biggest obstacles that you encountered while launching your own venture and, and how did you overcome them along the way? I think... <sighs> Here's where it's sometimes hard. I don't think everyone can be an entrepreneur. Really? It's entrepreneurs, which people that work for companies, and they're great what they do, and they help build the company from within. But not everyone can be an entrepreneur. It's, it's a DNA thing. Uh, it's, um, it's a trust thing. Uh, I think um, a personality thing. But the fear part, uh, the courage part, you can't fabricate courage. All you can do is put yourself in a situation to, to become courageous. You don't just manifest courage. Courage, it doesn't exist. Is it a DNA thing too or can you build no. on it? No, okay. People that go, I'm afraid of heights. What do they do? They get in a dang plane and they go up and they face their fears. Sure. And they eventually get over it. It's no different in business. Why I say most people can't be entrepreneurs because like I'd said before, there's a lot of people that are capable, but not everybody's willing. That's what it comes down to. You have to be willing to do hard things. And that's, all this comes down to do hard things. What does TLT say? Hard's hard, new fun. Hard's new fun. Yeah, do hard things. That's been my mantra for the last couple of years is I got a, in my gym, because I have a gym at home, I have a poster, okay? I have a poster and it says, do hard things. Do hard things. Nobody cares. I, that's the best part. Is <laughs> mine says, do hard things. Nobody cares. And then the second poster I have is the definition of discipline. It's a discipline with the definition. And I constantly see those every day. Because those are my two, I don't want to say hardest things, but it's like you have to remind yourself that the world's not giving you anything. Mm -hmm. They're taking. So unless you're producing more than they're taking, you're never going to be successful. Wow, that's so. That's such a bomb. That's so. Yeah. Uh, that's huge. Yeah. Unless you're producing more than they're taking, you won't be successful. Yeah. It's impossible. No, it's physically impossible. So, 
it's I can have a lot of nuggets, right? But at the end of the day, it comes down to discipline. It comes down to being willing to do things that you're capable of doing. Everyone is capable of doing this. Not everybody's willing. I have a great example from this morning. My roommate, Cyrus, you go in yeah. have you. Yeah. He has been getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and going for a 1.6 mile run all week long. He's been trying to convince me to do this. And I know I'm capable to wake up at 4 a.m. I've I've never really done it except for the airport. And I run like a mile at the gym and I'm gassed. I'm toast. And I'm like, I don't even know if I'm... I, I wasn't willing to do it. This morning, I was like, Cyrus, let's go. I get up. We run the entire time. No breaks. Sweating, panting. We got done uh, 4.40 or something. Yeah. It felt so good, and I realized that I am capable. It set the precedent for the entire day. day. I then read the word. I'm done with the word by 530 mm -hmm. at the gym. Mm -hmm. I, I I listened to a whole hour podcast. I set all this up. It's 8 a.m. I'm like, yeah. I, I'm usually waking up yeah, right now. Army. This is amazing. You more than most people do in a whole day. Yeah. Yes, it felt so yeah. good, and it was all because I changed to be willing to do it. Yeah. So good. So... In a world where most people seek comfort and security, what drives you to embrace the uncertainty uh, and take risks that others may shy away from? Can you share an example of a calculated risk that you've taken that paid off? There's many. Um, gosh. Can you think of the biggest one where even people that you respect and love were, were like, don't do it. This is crazy. You know what? Honestly, I've never had pushback from people. Really? It's weird. You know. Why do you think that is? Because uh, so many people do. Maybe because a lot of people know my personality. And it's like, why even tell that guy? <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly yeah. don't have a lot of haters. Um, not that, not, it's not a private, I'm just saying is. Yeah. Because um, most of the time, honestly... I, I just, I don't think of the consequences a lot of times. You think that helps you or you think that kind of hurts you a little bit? It, it's a, it's a two edged sword. Mm. It really, really is. Um, the proverbial throw enough stuff against the wall. Something's going to stick. <laughs> but you know, again, the twenties, the thirties, the four, I gave you the analogy for each one. Right. And I guess in the forties, I got a lot more cautious about who my partners are going to be, what I'd like to invest in. Sure. Uh, now in my 50s, you know, everything is going to be a home run or not. Or else I, I don't have to. It, so this is where I said start early. I tell kids, I didn't figure this out till my late 30s. Really. I think it was, what was 08? How old was I? 08 was how many years ago? 24? No. 08 was what? 15 years ago? 15 years ago. Just about. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't learn this till like 12 years ago. Think about that. This is not like, oh my God, this guy's been doing this for 40 years. Right. No, it's been about 10 to 12 years have been exponential growth. Because mm. it's always been this, you know, Whoop, boom. And now I'm more this, where it's yeah. like, okay, that's how you're supposed to be. Like a mutual fund, you like the one that does this. No one wants this. Nobody wants ups and downs. No, they want no. consistent up. Yeah. But but the greatest part of this whole thing, and we, we never really came back to this, was... During all this or this, my wife never wavered 
That's so huge. Never wavered. Same person from day one till now. Literally. So when people say, well, what was your big obstacle? I didn't have obstacles. I had her. Wow. She was like my muse. She was like my biggest supporter without being a cheerleader. You know what I mean? Some people need a rah-rah. Per- I don't need a rah-rah person. I just need someone quietly behind you going, it's okay. And no, not even you can do this. I didn't need that. I just needed someone saying, not saying you can't do this. And most guys out there are married to women that are like, never going to, don't do it. You're going to lose it. No. That, right. And that's not, choose your mate. So when you chose to marry Amber 26 yeah. years ago, what were some of those key traits that you were able to see that in her and be able to know this person is going to hold it down? She loved God more than me. Mm. That's it. That was a quick answer. That's the only answer. She loves God more than me. She knows that God will take care of her needs. And if I love God more than her, I'm going to listen to him. Right, wrong, or different. Remember, push, don't pry. It was years that I pried. Mm. And God goes, I wasn't the one who opened the door. Mm. And so... Understanding that, you know, failure leads to success. No failure, no success. And I tell people that. No failure, no success. We go to the gym to fail. Right. Every time you lift the weight, you realize your body's failing. Yes. You don't go in and go, oh, three sets. No. You go in and you're like, I need a spot. Right. The spot means you're failing. <laughs> right. For success. Yeah. I mean, literally, when you're building the muscle, it's shredding it apart. Shredding it apart. Yes. And it hurts. Yes. And then you push through that, you get your hunger. Mm-hmm. And my favorite part about the gym is it never gets easier. No. Because right when you're now comfortable with that weight, to take it up. Yeah. And if you miss a month, you're sore again. Right. Really, really sore. <laughs> and that God shows you, see, it hurts when you go away for a while. So stay in it. Mm. Stay in the present. Stay in the moment. And honestly, one of the things that, that Amber uh, really drills into me I would say on a regular basis is be present. What does being present mean to you? Like I said about business, it's impossible to have balance. I don't care what anybody says. An entrepreneur cannot have, it's not possible to have balance because you're pulled in every different direction. You know, 75 employees, you you have key people that are depending on you and the phone doesn't turn off at five. Mm-hmm. That means you might have to answer seven, eight, nine. The hotel was on fire one night at two o'clock in the morning. I'm getting out of bed, going down there. So things happen and you have to be willing to do those things, those hard things. You asked me what it means to be present and why Amber constantly says it to me because, and I, and I hope guys out there or women out there listen to this, that we made it a rule in our home that you don't walk in the house with a phone on your ear. Cause I can't tell you how many times I sat in the driveway on my phone until I was finished. That was really one of the first boundaries we set up in our home because even though I'm there on the phone, I'm not present. Right. Being present means you're engaged with that person. And I think too, right now, we're now in this phase of everyone has their phones and they're on social media. Everyone's hanging out next to each other, but no one's present. Mm-hmm. They're present in that fake world, but not present with each other. Like we, we have game night, we'll play sequence this night, we'll play Rummy. We do certain things to be present. But with the kids... It was a matter of being present. So whatever the schedule was, when you're there, you're present. Because it's easy not to be there. Because I'm there, I'm, I, I can work all day long. As an entrepreneur, you, you, the phone, business does not turn off at five o'clock. Nowadays, absolutely. No, especially hotels 24-7. Right. You know, so it does not end. So you have to have boundaries. You have to have the right people too. 
So again, over the years, I built an established you know hierarchy, and I've established an assistant and GMs, people that are going to handle those things. And I bought back time. That's what happens as an entrepreneur. Your whole goal is not to be the entrepreneur; just works a business. Mm-hmm. It's that you create you, and then they create them. So you now have the like I said, an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur. There's some people like. My office manager, uh, Christine at the hotel, she's an entrepreneur. She runs the whole thing and she treats it like its own business. Mm. That's an entrepreneur. Someone that's able to stay inside of an organization, not trying to own a business, but runs the business from inside. That's an entrepreneur. And, and, and takes that pride in that. Yes. So we call at TLT, the presence thing, we call that being with somebody. Okay. So you can be beside somebody. You can be around mm-hmm. some someone. That's why I love doing this podcast so much because- how often do you get to sit down with somebody and talk with them, be fully engaged for a whole hour? I mean, it's so much fun and it's rare how it is. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and that's where you get real, real authenticity is being able to have real questions and real answers and, you know, not nothing really scripted because I, I think scripted is just, it lends to fakeness. It's fake, yeah. You no, know, if you can't say something within four seconds, then you don't live it. If you have to go back to your phone and go, what did I do? No. <laughs> it, it only matters. It only means something to you if you lived it, learned it, and now it's ingrained in you where it's right there. Right. So I, I don't, you know, so for me, this is a great forum because it's, it lends to real honesty of what really needs to happen in the real world. Because it's not easy out there. You know, I, I, I tell people that, you know, Ed Milet is one of my favorite guys I watch. I don't know if you know Ed Milet. He, he says, you know. I watched an, an interview with him today. Oh, he's, yeah. he's phenomenal. He yeah, talks he's, about he's there's, there's a generational thing in a family that, that this, this person comes along. That when your family didn't grow up with much, you know, you, you were raising that, that mentality of never enough, whatever. Yeah. But there's, there's that person that, that comes and changed the trajectory of, of a family line. And they call him the one. You know, uh, and I consider myself the one because I want to be the one for my family to change the trajectory of how we think. Like my sister come alongside with TLT. We are not stinking thinkers, you know. Absolutely. It's rhino mentality. And we changed the trajectory of the family where it's not, we were the ones that got up at five o'clock in the morning every day or four o'clock in the morning. I'm the one that took the calls. I'm the one that drove 400 miles a day between Fort Pierce and Key West to build two Verizon at the same time. I, I did those things. I took the brunt of, of crazy phone calls of unhappy guests. I took the brunt of losing a chef in the middle of a thing and I got to go in there and cook. I mean, I'm the one doing, doing that by choice because someone's got to be that person mm. to lead the way. Someone's got to be the one. talks about it being the one. So I embrace being the one. I'll take it. I'll take the badge of honor because I want this family to, in a trajectory of... Not pauperism, but having prosperity. Absolutely. And it's not just about so many people make the mistake where they think like that. They have that intention Mm -hmm. and they think the way to do that is if I get super rich and I pass Mm -hmm. it down, it will have that effect. But the truth of it is wealth gets squandered on an average within two, three generations. Mm -hmm. And so it's not so much about passing down finances. It's about passing down that knowledge and that wisdom in that mindset, like mindset. you said, I mean, yeah. that's mindset huge. and, and how to do it and, and showing them grit. You know, even though we had parents that were hard workers, 
but poor decision makers, poor communication skills, poor commitment, uh, self-centeredness. Um, uh, just those are just some of the traits that I think you cannot display if you want success. If you want success, you have to be generous. You have to be kind. You have to be able to have empathy. You have to be able to look past faults and encourage through the craziness, meaning, you know, you're not in it for yourself. You're in it to bring, they say a boat, uh, water uh, creates, the, the tide rises all boats. Right. That's the quote. A tide rises all boats. So become the tide. We should be the tide where when we create the tide, everyone around us floats, not just your boat. Right. And that's where I look like the hotel or the restaurant or the construction. I, I really love to see everyone being able to come up. I mean, I look at all my employees. We, we talk about what their payrolls are. And we are probably the highest paid out of everyone because I'm like, I know what it's like to, to live on powdered milk and government cheese. I know. I, I was there. I, I lived in squalor. I watched my mom's car get repossessed. You know, so I seen the bottom. Okay, so this isn't a hand-me-down where I just took daddy's money and, and invested. No, no. This is being at rock bottom and seeing it, saying it never again. This family will never have that again. So that's kind of what really drives me. That's so huge to raise the tide. Building and maintaining a strong team is absolutely crucial for any business. Can you share a specific experience where the team dynamics play a significant role in either your success or even your failure and what lessons did you learn from that experience? We just had a we just had an experience this Christmas. Um, so our our church, our Lighthouse Point location, uh, they have a school and um, the front office and the cafeteria they're expanding and they had to like, well, we need a bigger cafeteria. And uh, they asked me, and it's great because my pastor knows that if he asked me, it just gets done. Ask a busy person and it'll get done. Right. Honestly. I mean, I don't know how I get stuff done, but God just rearranges things and it gets done. So they they had a crazy request and they gave me like nine days to rip apart like the entire wing of a, of the church and create a cafeteria a bathroom, two bathrooms, a laundry. I mean, it, it just nine days. I did the math in my head, and I'm like, it's not possible. The kids are coming back to school, and it's, we got this. We got it the 22nd. We had to give it back on the first or the second. Mm. I kept texting the TJ. I'm like, there's no way. I, I'm telling you, I've been through, through this scenario in my head a hundred times. I'm telling you, when you talk about partnerships with people and everything else, we started and we finished in nine days. Wow. With two days to spare. And I'm like, I sit the hammer. I was like, this is crazy. Because it was like New Year's Eve was Monday, it was Sunday night. We finished Saturday, which was like, and I was stressed and get there on Tuesday morning to just get it cleaned up before they walk in. And there was probably a hundred subs in there at one time. Wow. All working together and nobody crying. Like crazy hours. I mean, it was like, <laughs> but no one cried. And everyone worked like a, a well-oiled machine that, we talk about the collaboration of those people. It was shocking. So this is very recent. I've had some, of, but this yeah, was, was the a most recent. Going, you're unbelievable, God, because I could not believe it got done. Because I was petrified. My wife and Amber was. Te- this is the other part. 
the great wife behind you. So the first two days, emoji, emoji, like of her, like, you could, do this. now she's the cheerleader. Yeah, now yeah, she's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, sending me these emojis, like, you could do it. You could do it. Because I would come home, like, just stressed. And she's like, I'm like, honey, I, these people are killing me. I, I, there's no way I'm going to finish this thing. And they're going to come back to school, and there's, like, nothing for them. So anyways, it was a, it was a very successful moment. And so I saw God's hand all over it. Do you think that building a team like that, yeah. do you think it's just finding the right people? Or do you think that you play an instrumental role to inspire them to become that team? You just said it. Um, leadership is the ability to inspire people. Anybody can read a leadership book. Right. And just say, okay, I'll manage. And no. People follow courage and inspiration. If they know that you're willing to run through a wall, they will run through it with you. Mm. But you have to be able to, like, I was there. I mean, I mean I'm with a sledge. I'm doing those things. So for them, they're like, this guy doesn't have to be doing this. Why is he? And that's it. It's, it's, it's servant. That's the word. Servant leadership. Which is the main pillar for TLT. I mean, that is what we teach these kids is that leadership does not look like a pyramid where you're no. on top telling everybody what to do. It's, it's, it's reverse, where you're serving everyone else. Yeah, yeah that's so huge. Yeah. No, so, Atlas. He sits like this. Hold yep. We should be at, like, Okay. <laughs> and honestly, people, even in when we went through COVID at the hotel, that was another one we talk about, you know, what was hard? What was the most craziest adventure? You know, we talk about the, in 08, but really the COVID was the second one. When we literally had to go in there and go, you know what? No one's doing this. Everybody's shutting down and laying off. Now let's go in there and rip the whole building apart. And redo and, it. And that's where I want to encourage you when you said about your business and, and you're fearful. You don't know how fearful it is until you realize you have 72 employees you're in, you're, you're in charge of. And, and you don't know what's, you just had in one day, three months worth of reservations gone. Well, I'm talking millions of dollars gone. It's right. not coming back. And now you're going to go, okay, let's go remodel the hotel. <laughs> I remember when you did okay. that. So I, I, it's those moments when people see courage. You see that? It wasn't about, you know, I'm going to, uh, you know, just wing this thing. No, it was calculated. And we sat down and, and here's where the kicker is. I sat down with all my managers and I said to them, listen, you know the situation we're in. Would you be comfortable defer? And this is March. Would you be comfortable deferring your salary till January or till Christmas? Sure. Every one of them said yes. Really? And then we got PVP like two months later, which kind of kickstarted more things. But it was that moment of faith. Like when I sat in my cubby talking about how God provided, he did it right there. He said, I got you back. Those people. Everyone was doing. I had the chef demoing. I never, it was crazy what was happening at that hotel. And every spot that should have been for guests were filled with subs cars wow. doing the extreme makeover that we did in, I want to say, six to eight weeks. And it was, again, one of those people followed courage. People followed inspiration. It wasn't just a willy-nilly, let's get credit. No, it was well orchestrated. And that's where I'm right. Really, as the older I get, it's looking back going, oh, that's how that happened. Remember Knowing how to do it again. Mm -hmm. So this weekend, God was so there. But again, the muscle memory of all these years of the same plumber for 10 years, the same electrician for eight years, the same, you know, drywall got the same drywall guys for five years. So 
you have these people, even my GM at the hotel, I'm married 26 years. My, my GM's been with me 15 years. My office manager for Living Water Construction has been with me 19 years. Wow. You know, so I look at these very integral people. I call them my three wives, Amber, <laughs> Christine, and Angela. You know, mm-hmm. they know where all the bodies are buried. You know? <laughs> but it, that's important, all those things. So it's, it's, it's a lot of years of experience and a lot of 35 years of testimony. So we just kind of talked about inspiring your people, being courageous so that they see it and that they're inspired by that. We talked about earlier in the episode having the life that other people aspire to have, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a motivation. To, to wrap up the show here, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm at a crossroads where I either get a job somewhere or continue my entrepreneurial journey where I take a big risk. I'm going to have to take out a loan or find an investor and start a production studio, hire on a team Mm -hmm. for the first time in my entire career. I've always hired like subcontractors out, college kids, all this stuff. I want to, if, if, if I'm going to expand, I can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. Um, In your own experience, what qualities or habits do you believe are essential for achieving long-term success in the business world that we haven't touched on yet? Number one is discipline. Um, so discipline starts out your foundation. If you're not, if you can't be trusted with little, he can't trust you with much. Mm. That's the bot. That that right there is the number one key. And he says that if I could trust you with little, I trust you with much. So obviously you're gifted. You're very gifted at what you do. That's your springboard. So when I tell most guys that want to be entrepreneurs, I say, listen, here's the thing: find the thing that you're really good at with the least amount of effort. That takes you the least amount of effort. That's your gift. Mm. Because when you find something you're really good at and it's the least amount of effort and you get paid for it, that's the best part. I, I hate when people tell you, find something you're passionate about. Baloney. <laughs> you can get passion when you become a millionaire, okay? Right. Passion, listen, did I want to be a car dealer? No. Did I want to do upholstery? No. Okay. But understand something. I got home from college. I went to my car, my buddy's car dealership and I was always good at cars. And this is where it really hit about being good at something. And he's like, yeah, you do a headline? I'm like, yeah, sure, I can. And I did it and I was like, wow, I'm good at this thing. It was really fast and I made good money. Okay, so again, something you're good at that was the least amount of effort that you can springboard. So, and that turned into a full-fledged, awesome upholstery business, which then in turn, Chain turns into car dealership. So things evolve, but you got to know where to start. And I always tell people, if, if you're not good with numbers, don't become a, an accountant. Because the school says, oh, finance is this, you know, I'm going to college. Why? I mean, find something you're great at. And if you're really good at it, it's the least amount of effort, that's your gift. So what I see in you is your gift, you know, and if it's something that's not much effort to do this, whether it's editing, and this was one of Nick's gifts. So Nick is amazing at editing and flying the drone. All That's my number one thing that I don't like. I like to do the filming. I like to do the talking. The editing part takes the most amount of time, most amount of effort, and I hate it all the way through. I'm like but dredging you're through you're good it. at it. Yeah, true. Okay. <laughs> I but am remember, good at it. Because I put it, a lot of hours but, in but it. But understand something. For you, if it takes you five hours, what would it take somebody else? Ten? Sure. That's my point. doesn't matter. Remember this. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. That, don't ever condemn your gift. 
That's so huge because I listen to so many podcasts and they always talk about find thing you're passionate about and that you love. But what I've noticed, I love video production, but not all the time. Right. It's it, hour 12. I'm like, all right, I'm yeah. starting to not love this anymore, yeah. but I push on and it's good. Yes. Yeah. So again, what do I tell you? Find something you're really good at. That's the least amount of effort and you can get paid for it. That's your gift. And use that gift to create your business and your brand and then do it better than everybody else. Right. And then hire people to fill in the holes that you okay, can't do. So that's thing number two. Oh. So where I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm, I'm using this theory is like this happened kind of with Nick. You know, we started Scalzo Build. We were doing a whole uh, production. Uh, he was doing a lot of droning. And so he was asked to do a drone footage for one of his buddy's car dealerships. It's like funny. Car show. Hey, can you do a, a we're going to do like a, a remote pick up your car and, and you can and an app and everything else. So Nick went and met with the GM and then he came in with a, with a, vision board or a, what do I call that? A board. Storyboard. A storyboard. Yeah. And this, and he was in it for two and a half hours, pitching the whole thing. And the guy pulls on the side, goes, how old are you? He goes, I'm 23. He goes, he goes, very impressive. Then the next day he comes back with a whole crew of people. Like his buddies, because he needs somebody in the car. He, he had, he literally filmed the whole thing and put a movie together, a 30 minute, 30 second clip with the voiceover. And it sounded like, the, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. And, they paid him like $2,000 and it took him an hour and a half. So for him, he's like, wow, I'm really, I go, okay. Then he goes, and, and he found two or three other companies that were like, we want your service. So he's like, this is not that hard. But the thing is, is you have to focus on one thing. And I said, listen, don't worry. You know what your gift is. Consider, you know, he's doing his master's. So he's, he can't fully invest in that, but he, he identified his gift. So now he's only doing one or two clients to keep it simple. Right. But... Like I said, find something you're really good at with the least amount of effort. So you might hate it for that five hours, but you could charge for the 10 that somebody else would get. You know what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. So that's thing number one. Thing number two, the courage part, you got to rip the bandaid off. You're right. There's no easy way to do this. Remember the capable and willing. Mm-hmm. You did it this morning with, with running. Yep. And you realize, oh my gosh, this is great. Yeah. No, because accomplishment's great. When you have the to-do list and you accomplish things, that's it. So I would encourage you, what's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? You're broke? I broke. I'm, I fail. Okay. I, uh, I have to close down. Okay. I'm in debt. Okay. <laughs> I like that. So what? <laughs> I, I, really? I, what's the best case? Best You're case, wildly successful. Wildly successful. Okay. Doesn't that sound a lot better? Yeah. Failure's not an option. Just do it. You only fail when you quit. Yeah, well, if you quit, then it's not failure. It's quitting. Mm. Failure is when you fail and you go broke. <laughs> I hate people who go, oh, I'm going to do something else. No, you quit. Yeah. Failure is when you, you push through and it doesn't work. And then you figure out why it didn't work. Because if you have a gift, it's not working because your gift screwed up. It's not working because something else screwed up. Figure it out. Am I not marketing properly? Am I not? Do, you know, take some risks. Like he did the, the video for one for free. He was going to walk into that place and take whatever they gave him. So he sat with the GM and he goes, and the guy's like, well, how many hours? He goes, oh, he goes, I'll charge you. You know what he said to the guy? I'll charge you $800. And the guy looked at him and he says, no, he gave him a check for 2000 that, no. that, That's so rare. That's so No, because the guy, guy realized value. Yeah. You understand that? He's like, 
this I couldn't hire somebody for eight hundred dollars to do what you made me a commercial. Right. That's my point. Is never sell yourself short if you have a gift. Mm. If you're working out really fine, but if you have a gift, no, you set the standard. You set the brand. Like me, my brand now. The brand now is. In, I'm not just a builder. The brand is the ability to achieve the impossible. That's it. You're not just a builder. The brand is the Read ability. It. It. Oh, yeah, it's right there. Building dreams with precision, passion, and perfection. Yeah. And I tell people, you know what? Honestly, it's not hard if you have a great team. It's really not hard. It really is not hard. But again, you said, well, how do you make them do it? Well, they have to be inspired. Right. They have to want to appreciate the product they're putting out. And it gets tiresome. Like you said, you hate, there's days I don't want to do this. Right. A lot of days. <laughs> there's a long time. I hate building. People are, yeah, I hate building. <laughs> but <laughs> I loathe building, okay? Yeah. But I love the design factor. I love, like you said, you like the filming. Yeah. But guess what? You still have to put the nails in the holes. Okay? Yeah, you got to build it. I don't mind the, you know, like Andrew talking about, oh, that's great. I like that hour conversation. I don't like the follow-up part. Right. No one does. Because then you have to whip people to get things done. You have to encourage. And there's a lot of emotional work that comes along with this. Right. So understand that you're a one-man show. It's okay. It starts there. I was a one-man show in a truck driving from dealership to dealership doing headliners. Okay? <laughs> Head, remember headliners? Headliners, convertibles, sewing seats. That's, that was my, my thing. I drove from dealership to dealership in a box truck. It's called Trim Express. Yeah. So that was a... Trim Express, Trim Express. to Scalzo Built. Yeah. And this is only new. Scalzo Built is really the next journey that I, I want to be able to I really feel like right now there there are for every hundred builders that are retiring there's only seven coming aboard really so it's kind we of a dying off we had a problem mm. and um I would like to be able to give back to the next you know the next generation of guys and with, with knowledge but in this space right where it's like with entrepreneurship of how to be a builder you know what to look for in a builder you know how to hire the right builder those type of things in my in my podcast, but it's future. I'm not looking to do it tomorrow. Sure, but these, but as I get asked to do these things, it's been my pleasure. So I love doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, man, this has been a great episode. I enjoyed this a lot. And uh, if somebody wants to maybe hire you or f- learn more about you, check out your social media. Where can they find you at? Scalzobuilt.com. Scalzobuilt.com. Yep. You got it all there. Yep. All right, Harry, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the TLT Movement Podcast. If you like what you heard, maybe it will bring somebody else in your life value too. So please share with a friend, subscribe to our YouTube, and comment and let us know what you think. Our podcast is available on Spotify and Apple, and we would very much appreciate a five-star review. Visit our site, tltmovement.com.